Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climatwandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. I have a creative ceramics workshop in rural Asturias producing design objects. But coming to this was quite a story. It's all about going back to the old ways. I studied fine art 25 years ago and after I had a good job in Barcelona, not here in Asturias. And my family's response when I told them that my husband and I were going back to the village was like, you guys are crazy, you're leaving two well-paid jobs to move back to the middle of nowhere. A little crazy, perhaps, but also a brave act of bucking a major trend in Spain. Rural depopulation. A very warm welcome to our latest edition of Food for Europe, the podcast series looking at the policies and politics affecting agriculture and rural life in our continent today. For once, we start with somebody who doesn't produce any food, but who has mustered up the courage to start a rural activity in as she says, the middle of nowhere. Nowhere in this case is El Valle, a tiny village up in the mountains close to Spain's rugged Atlantic coast. It's one of the many villages in Spain where more people are leaving to find jobs in the city than settling. So this episode of Food for Europe looks at how depopulation affects rural communities, but also how women could spearhead the reversal of that trend. And the brave entrepreneur going against the tide here is Natalia Suarez Alvarez. She's originally from the region, but developed her professional life in a city on the other side of Spain before coming back to village life. I moved to Barcelona and I worked there for 23 years in advertising. Over those years, my work changed from the more creative aspects to the more managerial. And the more senior you become within the agency, well, in the end it's more management, dealing with clients, more executive than creative. So I felt the need to somehow go back to working with my hands, to reconnect with myself. And ceramics was a passion I still had from my fine arts degree. And Natalia, once you had figured out that ceramics could actually be a way of making a living and that you could set up a workshop in the region you came from, would you say that as a woman, it was especially difficult to get things underway? A woman entrepreneur is not only a woman entrepreneur. She is a woman, she is a mother. At my age, you have to re-educate yourself to think that it's worth it, that you have to gamble sometimes. We're kind of programmed not to take risks. One thing that is very important is that being a woman entrepreneur in the rural world right now is a responsibility because we are role models for female students who suddenly see that maybe they won't have to leave they can start their business here. Has European Union assistance played a role in setting up your business? I got the support and the affection of a technician of the Rural Development Office in Camin de la Mesa. The lady looked at me and said, and what about you? What are you going to do? And when I told her about my plans, she said, fantastic, it's a great project. That was really what made me start to think about things in a much more serious way. Thanks very much, Natalia. 
And to zoom out a little and get a broader picture of rural depopulation in Spain, I'm joined now by Elvira Baca, head of UNIT, CAP, Strategic Plans and Rural Development Programmes across several EU member states, one of which is Spain. Elvira, how serious is the situation and how does it affect women in particular? In Spain, uh, the population has increased between 2000 and 2018 by more than 15% altogether, while in the rural areas we witness decrease of around 10%, so there is a real clear gap. Then also when we are analysing other types of indicators like employment, we notice that in fact two-thirds of the women are having work while the percentage of men having work is about 80%. So there, again, we are witnessing a big gap. Also, if we come closer to our field, agriculture, we also notice a gap between Spain and the EU. While in Spain we have about 19% of the farm managers being women, all over the EU the same percentage is about 23 But even though women are particularly affected by this trend, do you think they could also be part of the solution? In fact, women often are seen as crucial in terms of the factor for establishment of families for fixing of population in rural areas. Often we see that more women and definitely more young people are prone to leave the rural areas because of the lack of perspective, the lack of infrastructure. And in that sense, there is a bit of a spiral there is a negative spiral that is kicking in. Okay, so if women could play a major role in halting and even reversing rural depopulation, how does EU policy reflect that? I think that in the EU we have seen with the uh, last reform of the common agricultural policy that the role of women has been clearly recognised for the first time. And in the regulation, now in the legislation, one of the objectives of the uh, agricultural policy is clearly to support employment, to uh, support growth, to improve gender equality and the participation of women in farming, the social inclusion and the local developments. And the Commission has encouraged in the negotiations of the CAF strategic plans for the period 23-27 all member states to actively take measures, put in place support in order to have a positive impact on women and young farmers establishing again in rural areas. And Spain seems to be one of the member states that takes the gender question really seriously. Could you tell us how these strategic plans trickle down specifically to the Spanish countryside? I can give you some examples from the Spanish regions where you have, uh, first of all, as a woman, the chance to get a higher support for your investment. So in case you decide, for instance, to establish milk processing uh, unit, then for your farm you will get higher rate of support going, for instance, to uh, 75% uh, instead of 50% and also uh, you would have a kind of priority in the ranking of the projects because often we see that in the selection of the projects the fact that you are a woman would give you extra points. Thank you Elvira, we'll come back to you later for some reactions to our other guests. And one of those guests is Berta Valgañón. After a career in her local town of Palencia, in the autonomous community of Castilla y León, where tourists rarely venture, Berta decided to take over her family's old vineyard 
I'm now 46 years old. I used to work in construction, but I had studied agricultural engineering. When my father retired, I decided to return to the village and continue with the farm because otherwise the farm would not have survived. And I said, well, I am going to start making wine from this vineyard. Let's see what comes out. And well, the project has taken me a bit off guard because when I started the first year, the surprise was that those wines were spectacular. And Berta, you've also witnessed close up what rural depopulation feels like in your own village, right? This is my village where I was born and raised. It's a small village, rather hamlet, with 30 people living here all year. When I was little, 90 people would live here all year long, and the bus would come and we would fill it up, I think 25 children on the bus. And now there are only two small children getting on the bus. Now, the support of EU funds has been important for you to take the plunge and start an activity in the village while everybody else seems to be leaving. But when you remember the administrative processes you went through, what could be done better? You have to be very careful how you do the paperwork. I've had issues with the subsidies I had applied for because I hadn't done the paperwork exactly right. When the project was concluded, it was different from how I had initially presented it. That really hit me hard. I thought, this can't be true, right? I mean, I'm a farmer. I can't be on top of all these details. So it's true that Europe brings a lot of red tape too. Berta, thank you very much. And yet another woman who has set up a business in the Spanish countryside is Nazareth Mateos, who, after only a few years of activity, has even won the EU Organic Prize in the category of the best organic producer. So, Nazareth, what is the organic crop you produce? I grow and market gourmet mushrooms. We have a cultivation methodology that is based above all on zero environmental impact, total respect for water and taking advantage of all agricultural waste to generate added value and new products such as mushrooms, but also infusions, mushroom infusions. We have 14 varieties of mushrooms. We have European and Japanese mushrooms that require shorter light cycles and colder temperatures, so we plant them in autumn and winter. And then, in spring and summer, we plant tropical mushrooms that require longer light cycles and higher temperatures. So tell us the story that brought you to farming mushrooms. I was born in a mountain range where, historically, we used to go out to pick mushrooms. So, when I was at university, I used to go out every weekend to pick mushrooms in the mountains and collect them. I ended up finishing my degree, I got a job in an office, but I had always wanted to go back to the countryside and return to the village. But as my village is very small, everyone, when you study for a degree, expects you to leave the village, to make it in the city, to get an office job. So there came a point when I did have a good job, but I wasn't happy because I had left my soul in my village and in the mountains. That's when I started to shape this project with what I knew best in agriculture, and that is mushrooms. And for you, what has been the hardest part of setting up a business in a rural area? 
The search for customers is complicated because you are not in a big city where you walk out the door and you have everything there. Here you have to move around a lot and you have to spend a lot of time outside your own premises to be able to make your product known and to be able to sell it. Could you give us an example of how EU aid schemes have helped you? When I set up, I received aid for the first agricultural installation. It came from the leader funds, so subsidies that are given to young farmers so that they can join the agricultural sector. I think that without this type of aid, it is very difficult to get access to the land if you don't have a previous history in family farming. So for me personally, it helped me a lot to have this support from the European framework. But Nazareth, given what we've already heard, I guess requesting and receiving help was not exactly a walk in the park, right? I think we have a very big bureaucratic problem with the issue of aid, because Europe passes it on to Spain, Spain passes it on to the autonomous communities, and the autonomous communities pass it on, so it's a mess. There are so many different calls for applications, so many institutions that call for applications that it is very complicated to be able to get them. Nazareth, thank you so much for joining us. And let's take this last point, the paperwork required when you ask for assistance, and throw it back to Elvira Bakker from the European Commission, whom we spoke to a little earlier. Elvira, it's probably rather a question for the member states than for the European Commission, but still, with your broader perspective on the aid landscape in Europe, is there any chance for a sort of one-stop shop system for requesting aid? In fact, again, coming back to how we have thought about this new uh, common agricultural policy for 23-27, we have really pleaded a lot for simplification. And one of the uh, simplifications that we have seen often from various member states at various levels was exactly this, having one-stop shop for aid support in different fields. You heard also what Berta was saying about red tape. After all, farmers want to be in the fields rather than sitting in front of a computer all day, don't they? I think that the big step that we have made also in the last reform was to give member states a lot more subsidiarity and exactly allowing them to tailor the methods to the problems on the ground. One of the issues that we have seen time and again was the increased bureaucracy. Well, the best way to uh, cut that is just to allow member states to uh, have this proportionality in terms of procedures, in terms of methodologies. I would say that clearly we are all accountable for the European money that is going to be spent. But I think that we see more and more the need of having this more tailored approach. Now it has to uh, produce its fruits in the field because it is the first year of implementation of the CAP strategic plans. Elvira, thanks very much for having been with us and thanks to all our other guests. And we're already at the end of this episode on rural depopulation in Spain. And clearly here at Food for Europe, we'll be monitoring the implementation of the CAP strategic plans in the future too. So keep listening. And do join us again soon on Food for Europe for more facts, figures and stories on farming and rural life in our continent. And as Spain has taken over the rotating presidency of the Council of the European Union, let me close for once with... Buen provecho.
Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climatwandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 